This is Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, the Channelnomics podcast that connects you with channel chiefs, thought leaders, and executives about what it takes to get the next generation of tech to market. Here's your host, Larry Walsh, the CEO and Chief Analyst of Channelnomics. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Changing Channels. I'm your host, Larry Walsh. Um, and the topic we're here to talk about today is something I never thought we'd talk about on this podcast, war. Uh, in 1989, I was a, a young soldier in Germany, and I was there to watch the Berlin Wall fall, and the not just the Berlin Wall fall, but the Iron Curtain. And over the last three decades, we've lived in what's been the the, the liberal order of the world, uh, where we thought that we were beyond the the ills of military conflict. Even though, yes, I know some of you will say that, you know, well, we've had plenty of war since then, Afghanistan, Iraq, and a number of other skirmishes around the world. Um, but this is a bit different. This is one that is actually resetting the global world order. And, uh, and it's not one that we've actually have a rule book or a playbook for. One of the things that's happened following the, uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine was the imposing of sanctions. Uh, and what followed sanctions, which is something that is in many governments' playbooks when situations like this happen, is that Western companies, and particularly technology companies, withdrew from the Russian market. Uh, some did it in protest. Some did it as a result of following following the restrictions based on sanctions. Um, some just thought the entire thing was, us, you know, staying in Russia was untenable. And one of those companies was Acronis. Now, Acronis didn't have a lot of business in Russia, but it does have a number of people who are of Russian descent uh, and Ukrainian descent. And in fact, as a European company, you know, as you know, a European company, it's headquartered in Singapore, but has uh, a substantial presence in Switzerland. They are hugely impacted by what's happening in Ukraine. So we thought it'd be a good idea to hear from Acronis about what is happening to them, uh, them as a company, them as their people, and what they're doing to help. I have the great honor of welcoming our guest, Patrick Pulvermuller. Uh, the CEO of Acronis, to talk about what is happening uh, with his company as a result of the war in Ukraine. So Patrick Pulvermuller, thank you for joining us here in Changing Channels. Larry, pleasure to be here. Thank you for so having let, me. No, no, it's really, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. Let's start with the decision that Acronis made immediately after the, the onset of hostilities in Ukraine. You're one of the many companies that suspended or pulled out of their operations in Russia. You made a very public announcement about that. Can you tell us a little bit about what that decision-making process was like? Yeah, I'm happy to explain you a bit. I mean, what you have to know is that, um, I mean, you were founded in Singapore and we are headquartered in Switzerland. So the two most neutral places on this planet. And frankly, we suspended and stopped our sales in Russia already in 2017. So we haven't sold any product into Russia for almost five years now. Mm -hmm. So taking the overall situation into consideration, taking our foundation and our headquarters into consideration, it was very clear that we must stay neutral and therefore we decided to suspend any operations inside of Russia. Yeah, was it a difficult decision to make or was this something that was just a, you know, a very natural, very easy and very quick decision to make? No, it's it's not an easy decision to make because obviously by making this decision, even if you and we are trying to stay neutral, you, you 
pick one side, so to say. So, right. um, and therefore it is, it was not easy. Nevertheless, take into consideration that 100% of our customers, 100% of our revenue was not in Russia. For us, it was clear that we have to protect these customers. We have to protect that revenue and therefore we made that decision. You know, there's a bit of confusion in the market uh, about where Cronus is actually from. As you noted, you're, you're founded in Singapore in 2003. You're incorporated in Switzerland. You have a headquarters in Switzerland as well. And you do have a number of Russians and Ukrainians that work for you. There's been a fair amount of confusion in the market about this, but I'm more interested in how this is impacting your people. Do you do have among the 50 nationalities on your on your 2000 person team, um, there are a fair number of Russians and Ukrainians working for you. How is it affecting all of them? You mentioned rightly there are 50 different nationalities. So yes, we have Russians, we have Ukrainians, and 48 other nationalities, frankly. I think the way I look at this, standing here right now in Europe, standing 1,500 miles away from where people are fighting right now, um, everyone is mentally impacted. I mean, this is a human strategy. There's a lot going on, and therefore people are impacted. Many of my employees around the world, and we have 34 different locations, all of them, frankly, have never experienced war or a, a conflict of that type. And therefore, it it did hurt them. It did impact them mentally. And and we were there for them. So we gave them time to, to, to just get used to it as much as you can get used to something like this. It's, in my opinion, impossible. But we also gave them time and tools to really deal with it. And by tools, I mean psychological help or help to, with people to speak to. Furthermore, what you shouldn't forget, when you look at the European map, I mean, there are huge countries like Poland, or other countries like Romania, which are neighbors to the Ukraine. So suddenly you're living in one of these countries and you realize your country next to you is actually in a conflict. And that does have certain impacts. Nevertheless, what we have seen now, these many days in into the conflict is that people now from that initial shock went into the mode of, okay, we have to deal with it. What can we do? Where can we as an individual make a difference and that's what they're focusing on now not looking at this big picture where they cannot influence but really thinking about the things they as an individual can influence and influence to the better you mentioned poland and i think it's important for people to recognize and uh is poland hungary romania slovakia all have touch on the ukraine border so there's a huge amount of displacement that's happening as of this recording and i should mention this to everyone is that by the time this podcast comes out we should be well into the fourth week of this war there's about three million people have already been displaced and there many of them are in poland uh, and Acronis is doing stuff there as well is that your foundation your charitable arm has stepped up to to help these people uh, people in need as well absolutely and larry that's what i meant when i said things we can influence so for example we have over 100 employees and the numbers rising every day who literally work day and night to help people in need but not only in the ukraine but also in general to help people in need in what they need and this is these are many things basic things like shelter food water something where they can sleep but also things like helping the kids to continue to be educated or this is another topic, helping them to find new jobs because 3 million people displaced 
also means that people who worked in different setups where they had a fixed workplace, they are also displaced from their work, not only from their family, from their home, but also yeah. from the work where they can get money to actually feed themselves. The very basic things are missing right now. Yeah. And that's where we help. And that's where the foundation comes in to truly help. Yeah, I, I have to I have to mention this because one of the things that I've been doing over the past several weeks, I've actually been talking with technology people still in Ukraine, distributors, resellers, integrators. Uh, some of them are. It's amazing to hear that some of them are still trying to to work even even with the world falling apart around them. Um, and there's also some who have picked up for the cause to resist the invasion. Um, but you're right, is that there's still even though that there is all this displacement and conflict going on there is still this need and Acronis did step for step up and offer to absorb some of those displaced workers with the, the IT talent yeah absolutely and the good news is it's not only us from a company perspective but frankly we also got a lot of support so when you think about this um, today you're living in one country tomorrow you're in another country as a refugee I mean let's name it what it is these are refugees who are desperate need of everything you don't have a permanent residence you don't have the, the necessary visas, nor you might have the necessary training, nor language capabilities. And that's really where all the help comes in. So we offer the people jobs where they can apply to, and we will help them to be trained in these jobs. The governments, frankly, with whom we are working and offices we have, all of them are very supportive and help us on the, on the visa piece. And third, what we've seen everywhere in Europe is a huge amount of people who are volunteering to give people a residence to stay at, be it with them in the same house or be it your your place where you usually live um, during the summertime, which is now being given away for a certain period of time for people to just stay. So mm. we give them, not we Acronis, but the community itself gives them a place to be. They are allowed to work and we train them and to then help them to actually have a work where they can earn money. That's a lot of decision-making that happened to respond to this crisis. Uh, you know, was there any contingency plans already in place for this? No. So frankly, no one, at least I, did not think about that scenario. Right. Nevertheless, what we have seen and what I think is so unique about Acronis is that strong community sense and as soon as that happened as i mentioned earlier more than 100 volunteers suddenly raised their hand and said hey we want to help how can we help and that's where our foundation actually came into place because with the foundation we have a structure where we know how to help even in the most complex situations and we just use the talent and refocus it and said hey today we are not building a school. We are not helping seniors to learn IT. Let's really now focus on this topic and help the people, the refugees, no matter where they might come from, help them to find a place to be as quickly as possible. So we leveraged our tools and we leveraged our our knowledge, frankly, in that yeah. regards. Yeah. But and no, no one planned for that scenario. To be yeah. frank. 
No, I have to say though, is that you're you know you know a plug for the uh, Acronis Cyber Foundation because you do some fantastic work around the world, and building schools is among them. I've known that uh, you know I've talked with your company before about the efforts you've done around the world to bring not just more security protection uh, to customers around the world, but also to help elevate the standard of living and the conditions in many parts of the world that need it. So I mean, it's a lot of great work your foundation does. Let me just add one additional color here. We can't do everything. And that's also right. the reason why we're now partnering with UNICEF to actually even help the people, in the, especially the kids in the country, because that's not, there's only so much we can do. And this goes right. back to my statement. We focus on the things we can do, and that's where we want to have an impact. Right. So let's shift gears on this because there's there is the situation that's on the ground today. There's been a lot of, as we've said, a lot of disruption, and let's not even get into the death and destruction, the needless death and destruction. But this has also created a fair amount of uncertainty. Um, I was just talking about this with with some people over the past few days. Is that did we not learn anything from the pandemic? That you know we went we've just come through two years of unforeseen crises that caused a lot of disruption. Were we able to apply that forward, or has this now introduced a whole new set of calculus to where we have to re, re, readjust and recalibrate our thinking all over again? So I think. Larry, the way I look at this from a personal perspective is that through the pandemic, we realized that we need to plan for the unpredictable, like mm -hmm. the black swan, because it was really there. But while we still got accustomed as a community, as a society, that there could be a black swan, the next one showed up already. So mm -hmm. I think, frankly, we just as a society overall didn't have a chance to just get adjusted to it. And it does take time because there are many, there are always many ways how you can do certain things and you have to get agree on on one path forward right. and i think that's what happened that's why we are we are stuck now in this we went from one supply chain disruption to the next to the next and right now uh, while we're speaking we know about all these significant supply chain disruption in china because of the zero COVID uh, policy there so yeah. i think this is just something where ceos like myself who lead large organizations just need to think more in extreme scenarios and prepare for them just in case. And it looked like this was just saber rattling that, that the Russians were posturing, trying to extract some concessions from NATO and the West and Ukraine. I was asking around and the number of companies that were saying they were quietly doing some contingency planning, they were small in number. Um, now we're looking at this saying, okay, exactly as you're saying, you, you can't afford to ignore that. Um, I'm also interested, though, is that this is having a ripple effect. The sanctions are you know, not just impacting uh, the Russian economy, but they are also having a ripple effect, as you said, through the supply chain disruptions, um, the, the, the lack of flow of material goods into Europe manu European manufacturing um, is really going to have a disruption in the economy. Economists that we talk with tell us that American and European, um, the U.S. economy could see a 1% decline in GDP. Europeans could see a point and a half to two point decline. What's it like to actually see all of a sudden you're not even into the year yet, and now your your financial assumptions may be thrown off completely again? So I I don't know the answer to that question for a very simple reason. In the industry we are in, 
we see mm-hmm. the quite opposite. So we see actually significant increase right. in demand. What I right. do know from my friends and family who are to some extent impacted, um, all of them have, during the pandemic, plan started to plan for more worst case scenarios. And therefore, they are now prepared for it. They are, through the pandemic, you once experienced that immediate impact to your supply chain. You, you've experienced this. So you now know how to deal with it because it's the second time. Different root cause, but still the same outcome. Your supply chain is immediately impacted and it, it gets to stop immediately. So that's what I see. So I see a lot of people who say something like, not again for different reasons, but at least they now know what to do to keep the business running, to to deliver the goods and services they want to deliver. There are very rare edge cases I'm aware of where companies really, really struggle. And yes, you do experience in Europe significant increase in gas and oil prices, which have strong impact on certain industries. But on the other hand, also the governments, what they did learn through the pandemic, some better than others, um, on how to react and make sure that these sudden impacts do not result in a domino effect by stopping them through certain help, be it monetary help or other relief. And that's what I see right now. So you did mention this, and I do agree with you. For a company like Acronis, you will probably see an increase in your demand, you and your partners. And Acronis works with managed service providers around the world in providing security uh, solutions and data protection uh, to companies from SMB to enterprise. what are you doing to help your partners and your customers or their customers uh, prepare for the, you know, these new black swan events? We hear about hacking threats all the time, but now this is almost at the point of there could be a new level coming our way at some point. You know, the, the potential for true cyber warfare is there, or at least the collateral damage that can come from it. Yeah. So I think the, the one thing which really differentiates us from other companies and industries that we always have a copy of your data applications and systems readily available just in case because no one can provide you that 100% security. That's why we always have that insurance policy on top through that data copy, which is in a completely different place. So I think this is the one thing where we truly combine disaster recovery backup with cybersecurity into one platform and one solution. Second, we are exclusively relying on our service providers as the channel because you need the experts who really know how are things set up at the end customer, who really know how to configure it to truly protect you. And every company, every setup is slightly different. And it doesn't help you if you close 99% of all entry points. If 1% are open, the bad guys or at least the script ultimately will find it. And yeah. that's why you need to need that service provider who truly helps you to protect you against everything. Yeah. Third, what I do see um, is a, sh- a shift in what the software is trying to achieve from for the last three years, ransomware extracting money to nowadays ransomware and pure destruction. And that's where, again, our first point, the data replication comes into play because if someone is just looking for destruction, 
there's no way to get the data back, even if you want to pay them some money because you can't pay them anything because there's no ransom asked for. And that's where really that data protection comes into play and is a core theme of what we are offering and why our solution protects you so much. Yeah. So Patrick, I wanted to ask you one last question is that as, as I, we've said a couple of times, we've been living with this now for about a month. If you could talk to yourself a month ago or six weeks ago, what one lesson would you impart to prepare for what we've been going through over the past few weeks? Praise for a lot of human strategy and just be there for the people. That's the one thing which frankly did catch me off guard because I, I suddenly was talking to people, to employees who are like 25, 28 years old living next to the border of a country which is being invaded and fight, fought above. And, and that's something where I personally really had to get a lot of energy to really help them and be there for them. So that's the one thing where I might have perhaps slept one or two hours more four weeks ago. Yeah. The good news yeah. is I had the opportunity now to speak to hundreds and hundreds of our employees around the world and met them in person. And everyone is really eager and focused and just protecting our customers because that's what they can do and that's where they can do a difference. Yeah. That's what they're focusing on. Well, Patrick, I want to thank you for joining us, uh, joining us here on Changing Channels and, you know, best to Acronis and all you're doing through your company, for your people and their, and their families, as well as through the, you know, the Acronis Cyber Foundation. Amazing work you're doing in this time of great humanitarian need. Thank you for having me. Once again, I want to thank our guest, Patrick Pulvermuller, the CEO of Acronis, for joining us to talk about what is truly a very difficult topic, the war in Ukraine. And I want to thank all of you for joining us. Uh, as a reminder, Channelnomics is tracking the events and the impact of the war in Ukraine. We are providing our clients uh, and everyone else with insights and direction on how it's impacting the channel. And as I frequently say at this stage of the podcast, Technology is changing the world and we're tracking those changes. Well, we now have a new sense of urgency and importance for that because what is happening in Ukraine is going to have a dramatic impact on our industry and the way that technology gets sold and just the way that the world operates. So keep checking back here. We'll be doing regular updates and check out Channelnomics for the insights that we're providing. Until next time, I'm Larry Walsh. Thank you for joining Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, a production of Channelnomics, with the support of our production team at Modern Podcasting. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit the like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and share with your friends. For more information about Channelnomics services and insights, follow us on Twitter and YouTube, and check out our website at channelnomics.com. Channelnomics is a registered trademark of and Changing Channels is copyright by 2112 Enterprises, LLC.